We are here with Tom Hollins, star of Cherry on Apple TV+. Uh, we are also here with Rob Bacuria and myself, Tom O'Neill from Gold Derby to talk about this very, very uh, uh, out of the box performance for you, Tom. When, when we see you on screen, you're normally saving people. Uh, in this movie, you are the person who needs to be saved. And right. <laughs> talk about the irony, the challenges that you've taken on with this role. Firstly, thank you. That's very kind of you. Um, yeah, I mean, as an actor and as a young man, I'm always looking for things that challenge me and things that can push me in ways I haven't been in the past. And naturally taking on a film like Cherry comes with its own set of challenges. Um, for me, at the beginning, I was very nervous and apprehensive about my skill set as an actor and if and, and and if this was the type of role that I was able to portray authentically and truthfully and, and ultimately for people to enjoy. Um, I was very lucky with the support group that I had. You know, I have the Russo brothers who are people that I've worked with over the last sort of five or six years. Um, so I had that safety blanket that is them to carry me through the process. Um, I had the wonderful Sierra Bravo who was playing Emily, who is one of the most amazing people I've ever met and had the luxury of working with. Um, so I was lucky in that sense. The challenges were welcome. I really wanted to sort of take it head on and, and give it my best. Uh, you know, there was lots of physical challenges, losing the weight, trying to make sure that I looked and, and felt like someone who was abusing heroin and drugs and someone who was suffering from PTSD. There was the emotional challenges of trying to maintain this, this, what's the word, this level of kind of devastation day in and day out throughout the process of making the film. And then there was the challenge of strategically planning how we were going to create six individual characters that all exist in the same body and find the connective tissue that brings them all together so that there is a sort of cohesive arc throughout the course of the film. Um, all of those challenges, are, I'll be my own biggest fan and say I feel like I did it and I, I achieved it and I'm very proud of it um, and uh, and I'm really glad that I I, I, I took on this film and, and, and gave it my all. Yeah you know um, Nico Walker's story Tom is so compelling because it explores the horrors of war and addiction in a really visceral way and as you say the film is broken up in various parts of this guy's journey and there's so much to really unpack from it. I was wondering though as the man who plays him in this movie, um, what was your key takeaway from his really quite incredible story? The biggest takeaway for me from the book was his voice and the way he speaks. And he kind of has this poetic way of stringing words together. And, and one of the biggest challenges in making this film was figuring out how we would layer in the voiceover um, and the moments where I break the fourth wall. Um, you know, he really is a storyteller. And this is a film about someone sitting down and telling someone their story. Um, so that for me would have been the biggest thing that I took away from his book. The challenge of talking to the camera was a bizarre one because you spend your entire career training yourself. Don't look at the camera, don't look at the camera. And now all of a sudden you're allowed to look at the camera. And I, for the first time in my career became very, very aware that behind the lens is a whole load of people who are watching. It's like an invisible audience. And I suddenly became very, very self-conscious. Quickly, I got over that and, and I was able to sort of stay in the moment. 
Um, but the hardest thing for me to figure out was that whenever Cherry addresses the camera or the audience, that is a Cherry from the future who is reminiscing about what's happening in the present. So trying to bounce between someone who is in the moment to then someone who is talking to the audience and sort of saying like, this is what, how it went down. Allow me to show you how it went. So it was really difficult to try and find that balance. But then again, like I was saying earlier, having the Russo brothers there to support me um, and to allow me to make mistakes, really. This film was all about making mistakes and, and picking your favorite mistake and being like, oh, wow, that's a really good one. Let's run with that. Um, so I was very lucky in that sense. You were able to relieve a lot of the dramatic tension, too, with these by breaking the fourth wall with the uh, uh, those you know, directly addressing the audience. I'm thinking of the scene, uh, the, the bank scene near the end, the final robbery, where mm. uh, you turn to the camera. And this is where you bring in comedy into the, into the mix, which is such a refreshing little uh, uh, change of pace when the movie occurs. And you turn to the, to the audience and you say, well, you know, I'm sorry, but I have to act crazy here or else they're gonna think I'm a pussy. And <laughs> the gun's out with the, and it's just so much fun when you go back and forth that way, it's very innovative. But on balance, this is a man who is, is just used to being overlooked in the world, not cared about, not noticed at all. And suddenly he's noticed and cared about by this girl from English class. And, and he can't get over his astonishment that she cares. And I think you even ask, ask her at one point, why do you care? Why do you like me? And um, uh, it, it's a slow build of a relationship. There's, there's even the scene, I think it's that same scene where you say, I think I adore you. And she says, I don't think love really exists. But mm. she says, thank you. And then she gets up and she walks away in the graveyard. It was, it was not the traditional way you would expect that scene to play out, but it had such power because both of you were confessing to each other, I'm, I don't know what love is, no one's cared about me, and you suddenly find each other. Mm. Yeah, I think what we really tried to uh, convey in the opening of the film, um, which is something that is very, very prominent in the book, is that he is someone who is constantly trying his best, but always falling short, but not by his own fault. And, and I think the reason why Emily is such an important part of his life is because she was the first person that just saw him for who he is and or was. Um, and the moment that she walks away from his life, it's that, it's that collapse, that moment where he thought, I thought I had everything and now everything is gone and I need to do something to, to find purpose in my life. And unfortunately for him, that purpose in his life was joining the military and he didn't know obviously the future of what it held and, and where he was going to go. Um, but that's an, I love that you picked up on that detail. Not many people have. And, uh, uh, and yeah, it was, a, it was definitely a specific choice to have her walk away there. Yeah, and the thing is, that love story, as you said earlier, Tom, is the connective tissue for the whole journey. Um, the, the film's writers, Angela Russo, Otstad and Jessica Goldberg, were very clear about intentionally wanting to employ that love story as the film's common threads. I'm wondering, you know, how important was it for you personally in trying to understand this guy who's always looking for purpose, but ultimately realises that it's the love of his life that is the thing that's going to tether him to something outside of the you know the devastation that he's had to deal with 
I think it was incredibly important. You know, that is what drives the film. The love story is the backbone of the entire arc of this journey that we go on. Um, and that just required um, Sierra and I to sort of sit down and, and map out how we wanted these characters to grow. Um, and obviously at times we wanted them to grow at the same time. And then there's moments where she progresses and, and, and Cherry stays down. And then there's moments where he progresses and he brings her into his life in certain ways. Um, so that was really just a sort of strategic meeting between the two of us of how do we want to tackle this? Um, and she's so amazing and so wonderful to work with and open and brave. And, and she wasn't afraid to be vulnerable with anyone on set. She was amazing. So for me to have a scene partner like that really changed the game. And it made me want to do a better job because she was doing a better job than I was. And I was like, I need to match her. I need to, we need to be like Roger Federer and Nadal playing in the final of Wimbledon, not, Roger Federer and me playing in the final of Wimbledon, you know? <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so I was very lucky to have her in as, as a teammate. She says early on when you guys are first getting to know each other, first falling in love, she says, uh, partly to answer your question of why you care, why she cares so much about you, she says something like, well, you're a rebel. You're, uh, she admires this, this contrary spirit you have uh, and the rest of it. And then I think it's within the next 10 minutes, I can't remember specifically, but then she takes this very, very startling uh, uh, path of following you into drug use. So like the first time that you offer the needle, she takes it. Why mm -hmm. do you think she takes it then without a fight? Because she loves you and just wants to go there with you? I think, Again, it goes back to that idea that the love story is the backbone of this journey. And she has recognized that the only way that she can be with the love of her life is to join him on this horrific journey that is substance abuse. Um, it's a heartbreaking moment in the film because you just know that, the, the, that their future isn't very bright. And, and I just wish, I wish when you watch the film, she put the pills away and be like, you know what, I'm not gonna do this. I'm just gonna leave him. Um, but obviously she doesn't. And it's an incredibly hard decision for her to make, but one that she has to make if she wants to maintain this relationship with the love of her life. Yeah, you know, the, the other really um, fascinating angle of this movie for me personally is the, um, the, the authenticity of this guy's vulnerability. And mm -hmm. I always wonder with actors like yourself, how difficult or challenging it is to portray vulnerability authentically when you don't really know the guy, but you've obviously had to get into his head. How does it resonate with you personally in trying to go to places that are uncomfortable to try to make it, make it believable that this guy really is incredibly vulnerable? It's interesting, you know, as someone who lives in the public eye and, and goes to red carpets and does chat shows and all that sort of stuff, you have to give off this exterior that I am not vulnerable. You cannot phase me. I am okay in any situation. And you slowly start to believe that. That is something that slowly starts to take over. So for me to play a character who is so vulnerable and is so closed off from the world was really quite a hard challenge to just change my mindset. It was a very important challenge. Um, to try and get across, uh, but having the Russos there and, and knowing that I was in a safe place and in an environment where if I made a mistake or, or if I looked a fool or anything like that, it wouldn't hurt me. 
And, 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 you know, like I said earlier, this film was about making mistakes. Some of the best moments in this film have come from accidents or mistakes or things that went wrong and gave us this kind of creative freedom to just do whatever we wanted to do, however we wanted to do it. Um, so for me, yeah, it took a while to kind of let go. Then again, having Sierra, Sierra there, being a team with her, allowed us to have like a little kind of team and we had each other's backs. And if I fell apart on set, which I did a few times, you know, we were doing scenes that weren't even very emotional scenes, but I was so emotionally ready for everything. I would just break down and cry. And to have her there to kind of pick up the broken pieces uh, was an amazing luxury. And, uh, and obviously vice versa for when moments like that happened with her. What are some of those other moments? Those are fascinating. These are unscripted. This is kind of improv then, right? And they're, they're just letting you go there as an actor. Absolutely. I mean, for example, we had spent so much time together and we'd rehearsed quite a lot and we'd done so much research into drug abuse and to suffering from PTSD. There's a moment where she comes home from work and, um, and I haven't picked her up. And she's trying to cook up her drugs and she can't. And I end up doing it for her. And that was supposed to be the end of the scene. It was just supposed to be this moment of like, don't worry, I'm going to do it for you. And then we cut and we go to the next scene. But we had this beautiful moment where I started doing it for her and she came and rested her head on my shoulder. And then I took the ribbon off her neck and I put it around her, her arm and we did the whole thing. And then we ended up falling asleep. We lie down and she's in my arms and we fall asleep together. And it was moments like that where the Russos would just let us breathe and let us explore the characters and explore the scene. And, you know, if they cut it, they cut it. If they don't use it, it's not good enough. But it was moments like that that really kind of brought this authentic feel to the film, I think, because we were really living it. We were really in the moment. And uh, and it was an amazing thing to be a part of. You talked about how you um, you were part of a, a team and you felt comfortable with the Russos and Sierra and the, and the crew. But when you're in moments like that and you are so exposed, I mean, is there ever that inkling in your in your mind that you, you are too exposed and too uncomfortable and you, you just want to run away or is it was it, or in this film was it just something that you really embraced and you just wanted more of it yeah you're right there are moments where I sort of sat down with my brother and I was like I don't think I could do this I don't think I can come to work tomorrow I'm, I'm like a shell of who I am the scene of me in the car where I'm sort of losing my mind and I'm stabbing myself and I'm banging my head against the door about against the seat I remember doing it for the first time and I and it, it was like I wasn't myself I remember sort of them saying cut and I was like don't cut I'm, ah! And I was like, whoa, whoa, that was way, I went way too deep into it then. And I sort of took myself out of the situation and was like, what have I become? And then obviously they go, right, we need to go again. And you're like, well, you want me to do that again? And, I, and I'm convinced I gave myself a concussion that day because I remember when I went <laughs> home, I was sitting at home and I just, I couldn't quite figure out why I was feeling the way I was feeling. And I felt sick and all sorts of different stuff. So yeah, there were moments, absolute moments where I thought this is too much, this is too much. But then there are other moments where I sort of let the vulnerability take over. I remember when I say goodbye to Emily for the last time in bed and she asked me, will you cook me up another shot? And I say, later, I'll do it later. I couldn't find the emotion for some reason. I just, it wasn't there that day. And I remember I just went behind the monitors with the Russos and I said to them, I said, thank you. You changed my life. You cast me as Spider-Man. You've given me this opportunity. It has been the most life-changing experience. I love you both. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And just from being vulnerable like that with them, I was bawling. 
and I was ready to go. And it made the emotions sort of come up. So, you know, it swings and roundabouts. There's times when you want to be closed off and there's times when you just have to be an open book and, uh, and go for it. And what's the kind of reaction you're getting from others who are seeing it, who are not accustomed to seeing you doing a role like this and being so vulnerable and being so um, wasted in literally every way because they want you to save the world uh, as usual. But um, are they disappointed? Are they impressed? What are you hearing from friends and fans? I think the biggest thing would be worried rather than impressed or disappointed. I was lucky enough that my hair and makeup artist, my costumer, my brother, my dialect coach were all there with me. And they are all my friends. They're my best friends. I work with them every single day. We all live very close to each other. We see each other every weekend. We're like the best of friends. So I think for them at times, they were wondering if I was going too far. Um, you know, I lost an obscene amount of weight. And I think at times, so, like, I remember Anthony, especially my costumer sort of saying like, please, will you just come out to dinner with me and have a burger? <laughs> because you just, I'm worried about you. Um, and sometimes I did. Sometimes I cheated and I was like, you know what? I am going to go and have a burger. Um, so I think the overwhelming thing for them was just how worried they were about me and whether I'd gone too far. Yeah. And see, that comes across. I'm glad you brought up the scene in the car because I was... I was really taken aback by that. I wasn't expecting it, not because I, uh, not from you personally, just from I just the, the that you really went there, and it really, um, it really, I found it really compelling. And that brings me to to this question. It just kept reminding me about how trauma is so it's everywhere. It's so pervasive. Um, and we've all dealt with it, or we know someone that's dealt with it. And I'm wondering if you've had a lot of feedback about that aspect, about how trauma. Is, is just so awful and it can ruin lives. And, and the way that you portray this guy really, really demonstrates that. Well, obviously the film isn't out yet. So people haven't had the chance to see it. So I haven't necessarily had that response. Um, but like you said, trauma is everywhere and it comes in all shapes and forms, shapes and sizes. And we really, really wanted to make sure that we didn't romanticize or glamorize the life of an addict or someone suffering from PTSD. We, lots of these films nowadays make drugs look really sexy and they make them look really fun. And for us, we wanted to do the complete opposite. And that's why that scene, the scene in the car was actually written halfway through we were shooting, while we were shooting. Um, we'd finished Dope Life. We'd moved on to the other sections of the film. Um, and then the rooster sort of sat me down and said, Tom, we've had this idea, we think, Emily should overdose and we think that you should break down in the hospital and then we had this idea of you in the car and the idea of me in the car was just that I would shoot up and it slowly progressed into this idea of like well he hates himself at this moment why doesn't he start harming himself and then it's sort of like why don't you stab yourself in the leg and and it grew into this kind of crazy moment um I did think the Russos were trying to kill me though because <laughs> we'd finished dope life and I'd put that to bed once we'd finished that section of the movie, it felt like this massive weight had been lifted off my shoulders. And then all of a sudden, two weeks, eight weeks later, they're sort of like, we kind of want you to go back there. Wow. And uh, I started trying to lose weight again. And, um, and then we did it. And it was our last day of work in Cleveland. And I actually banged my nose really hard on the steering wheel. And I had a big bloody nose. And I was, I love Tom Siegel, the DOP. I think he is one of the best I've worked with. And it is one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. But you can't see my bloody nose in that scene. And it makes me so angry. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so 
I kind of have gone off on a tangent and forgot your question. I'm sorry, but uh, trauma. But yes, I think, right. I think you meant. Yeah. I'm from Cleveland. Right. I'm from Cleveland, Tom. Where was it that you shot the uh, the movie uh, specifically? Wow. Town. Do you remember any neighborhood? Oh, we shot all over the place. Um, we shot in Little Italy. We shot. Um, in Shaker Square, we shot at Case University, we shot at the Watermill, we shot all over the place. I mean, the city is as much a character in this film as I am. It would have been a very different film had we decided to shoot it in Los Angeles or New York or anywhere like that. We were so lucky that, I mean, the restaurant where Joe Russo worked was the same restaurant where Nico Walker worked, but 10 years earlier. And it's, this, and it's the same restaurant that we shoot all the scenes in. So bringing that level of authenticity to the sets and the locations just made everything as an actor so much easier. Okay, Rob, I'm going to give you the final wrap-up question here. What is it? Yeah, I wanted to go end with something a bit lighter. We've talked about a lot of heavy subjects, but the film is actually ultimately very entertaining. It's beautifully shot, as you mentioned. It's got this great um, use of um, on-screen text and red-bleached um, uh uh, images and um, it's very funny it's it's beautifully um, edited so it's got all these really great innovations in the way that the story is being told the Russos did that intentionally and I'm just wondering I assume you've seen the final product did you really appreciate that this film is is something different it's not the usual kind of war drug addiction movie that you'd normally see this is actually something very very special Absolutely. Um, I mean, let me start by saying I am so incredibly proud of the movie and all the work that people have done to put into it to make it as special as it is. I think what I really admire about the Russos is that they told a story which is so hard to tell. And they they said, we're going to use every trick in the book that we think is necessary to get this message across and to make it an entertaining movie. I mean, when they pitched me the idea, I really sat down and went, but who wants to watch that movie? <laughs> like, I don't want to watch that movie. That, that sounds like I'm not going to sleep for a week after I've watched that film. And I think what they did so well is find that balance of taking you on this journey, sharing, you, sharing with you these experiences while also maintaining this level of cinema and filmmaking and storytelling. My favorite aspect of the film is when I address the audience because it's basically him saying like, are you still watching? Have you turned it off yet? No, you haven't. All right, buckle up. It's about to get way worse. Like I really like that attitude of recognizing that the audience is there and that we are taking you through this experience rather than just presenting it to you. Um, and I think things like that just set the Russos apart. Um, and, and it really shows how special they are as filmmakers. Well, I think we're all impressed that uh, you have said publicly a lot recently that you intend to continue to work in franchise films and, can, and now pursue more of these dramatic and serious roles and at the same time aspire at some future day to be a director. And mm. I think that this shows that you're such a serious film artist on every level. You take all these things seriously and, and now you've shown us all that you really deliver in a extremely challenging role, both physically and mentally and emotionally and the rest of it. So congratulations, Tom. Uh, you really have impressed us all. Thank you so much. That's wonderful to hear. Thank you. Good luck in the awards arena ahead. <laughs> Thanks very much.